uh, you're not the police and I'm not under arrest, I think I'd like you to leave. You need some help with that? Been a while since you used a door, huh? Oh, I know who you are. I know what you are. This conversation's over. This conversation's not over. Do you answer my question? Tell me. How'd you last this long, huh? Who's helping you? Jumpers. Kinda hard to jump with a thousand volts of electricity passing through your brain, huh? Who's protecting you? Give me an answer so I can go home. I jump us. You think you could go on like this forever? Living like this with no consequences? There are always consequences. Where you going, huh? I got you now. You think you can hide behind a wall, go anywhere, do anything? Not anymore! Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I am your host, Perry Constantine, and welcoming a new guest and a fellow podcaster, and that is Nick Baldwin. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, Perry. Thanks very much uh, for the invitation to be on this. I saw your your blast. I think someone else, one of my past guests, I think, actually shared it with me on Twitter, and I was like, ooh, that sounds like right up my alley, talking about our love of superhero movies. Oh, really? Uh, who was that? Oh, uh, Sai Islam, I want to say is the one. Oh, who yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. Sai's been on, uh, we've had him on twice so far. In fact, he's scheduled to come back on. We're going to be talking about Ms. Marvel in a few episodes. Oh, that's even more cool because uh, I did not realize he'd actually been on. I thought perhaps he just was like, oh, this sounds like something to be up Nick's alley. Uh, and so then he shared it with me, maybe having not been on it. As I was just saying to you before we started recording, I have listened to a couple of episodes, but I had not located the one Cy was on, so I will have to go digging through your back catalog even more, Perry, to, to yeah. go find the, my friend Cy. So. Him and uh, and his co-author on uh, on Leaders Assemble, they were both they both came on together uh, to talk about Iron Man three the first time, uh, and then 
Um, and then it was, and then Cy alone came on and we discussed uh, Moon Knight and then he's coming back on alone, uh, assumed to talk about uh, Ms. Marvel. Well, even better than for your listeners who uh, are debating whether or not to go find my podcast. My wife and I have a podcast. Uh, it's called In Love With Movies. So that's In Love and then comma with movies. If you search for that that way, either on YouTube or just about any, uh, you know, place you can find podcasts, mm -hmm. you'll find Danny and Nick, Nick and Danny. Uh, and we're the hosts of that. But yeah, we had Cy and Gordon, his um, co-author for Leaders Assembled on recently. I actually know Cy and Gordon because I'm in the field of IO psychology with them, what they wrote their book on leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, they came on and I want to say it was four or five episodes ago now in our back catalog, they came on and they talked about, um, we were talking about Captain America. So if you are a listener who enjoyed listening to Perry talk to Cyan Gordon about Iron Man 3, please, by all means, come find In Love With Movies and you'll get to hear uh, Gordon and Cy go very deep nerdy into uh, all, all things comic books uh, when we are discussing Captain America, Winter, or sorry, Captain America, the first Avenger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was yeah, always very uh, impressed. Both of them have just so much more knowledge than I do when it comes to the actual comic books themselves. Uh, but I've probably watched more generic movies than they have. So. That that impressed me about them as well because I got the email from um, I think it was Cy, it was either Cy or Gordon who I can't remember which one sent the email, and they're pitching their book. And I was thinking to myself when I read the email, I'm like, I'm not sure if this is a good fit. I'm not sure if these guys are just are actually superhero fans or if they're just oh, they are guys. Who, and then they came out and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. These guys are legit. They know what they're talking about. Yeah. Gordon, especially he's got so many deep cuts that I'm mm. just like, it goes, goes over my head even. Um, so yeah. listeners will also be tickled because my wife is normally the person who's much more fun to listen to as my co-host. And I think she was, struggling to keep up with the conversations around uh comic <laughs> books even more than i was so yeah yeah the, the running joke on our podcast is that we do the podcast just so that my wife has to watch more movies with me so <laughs> it's, good, it's a good way of doing that um yeah. uh, so uh we've, we've done it a little bit but why don't you tell people uh, a little bit more about yourself uh your podcast and that kind of stuff sure so the podcast like i said is in love with movies the the, the basic pitch is uh, the comma separates the first and second halves, right? So the first half we discuss something having to do with love. If it's just my wife and I will sort of pick a love topic. We can sometimes talk about past loves or we'll talk about lessons learned from love or, you know, we have an episode talking about the five love languages, which is something a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, and then the second half is always us discussing some movie. If we have a guest... Uh, that movie is picked by the guest, and then the first half is just us basically discussing their relationship, their feelings about their relationship, the experiences that they've had and the lessons that they uh, would impart. And none of us are experts. We're all just sort of being like, we are people who are in love or, you know, love, love. I love love in all its forms. And so mm -hmm. we share our experiences there. And then we share, in the second half, our love of movies. I'm a firm believer that sort of your experiences with movies when you found them, how you watched them first is a huge, and I seem to remember you talking about this on the, some of the episodes that I yeah. listened to. It's like so very defining, uh, like when you first watched it, we'll talk about some of the rose color, colored glasses that I still mm -hmm. had for the movie we're discussing today, Jumper. Um, and the reasons for that I could get, we'll get into, but the second half is then always sort of like just sharing a way to get to know the person, either me getting to know my wife if she's sharing a movie, my wife getting to know me if I'm sharing a movie, or our guests 
you know, sort of what their love story is with a particular movie and why it has a meaningful impact to them. Mm-hmm. We've, had, we've had some really cool conversations. Some people have some, especially when we get to have couples on, they'll have like really unique conversations um, about their history with a particular movie. So, uh, you know, there might be some overlap with your listeners and fans of the YouTube channel uh, Late to the Party. They do a bunch of like trailer reaction videos and we were lucky enough to have Uh, late to the party on for an episode where they discuss their history with interstellar and it's a really kind of cool and interesting story that i won't spoil or so people can go listen to that over there okay very cool uh yeah yeah we've talked about that a lot of times on here especially um back when derek was still still around we took in some of our earlier episodes we talked a lot about this idea of how if you see something you know comic book or movie or tv show if you see it at the right age like that that shit's going to stick with you for the yes. rest of your life. Yes. And uh, the, the example Derek used is he had used, he had introduced uh, his, I think his nieces and nephews to um, uh, the Harryhausen Sinbad movies back when he was, oh. when they were very young. <laughs> and it's like, you show that to most people their age and they would not, cause they're like, I think they're about maybe in their late teens, early twenties. Now you show that to the, those people. Now they will not be charmed by them at all, but you get them at like, four or five years old they're gonna love that shit forever then yeah yeah definitely i i think that's very true and the movie that always comes to my mind when i talk about that is i still haven't gotten her to watch it yet but there's a movie on my list from my childhood i don't know if you've seen it uh the page master and it is this animated film yeah i never actually saw it but i do i was a i do remember like seeing i remember i really wanted to see it when i was a kid because there were like all these commercials on it uh on tv and stuff and i remember being like oh that looks so cool and just one of those movies that I just never got around to seeing. And if I'm being honest, if you were to watch it now, it will not have the magic for you yeah. that it had for me too. So the one example I remember we used was um, uh, the dark crystal, because I remember when I was in college, yes. everybody talking about how amazing the dark crystal was. And then I watched it. I'm like, this is not that, imp- I, I don't get it, <laughs> but it was one of those, you had to get it at that right time. If not, then you're never going to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true of a lot of movies and then when we look back on them and this can start to bleed into jumpers so like when we look back on them and why they were important to us i think that describes a lot too so one of the reasons i decided to pick jumper we were talking about it before we started recording for one thing i was listening to some of your back catalog and i I noticed the the movie push Mm -hmm. because it's one that's sort of you know i wanted to go a little bit outside of the box and it was easier to find one that was superhero adjacent without necessarily being you know truly a marvel or a dc type right. of thing um and so push i saw that you did that and i was like oh well i'd love to hear you know perry's thoughts on push and as we were saying beforehand it reminds push and jumper to me are very similar and i was as i was re-watching jumper for this i realized i think there's some of the things that i in my mind and my memory had conflated the two so right, you yeah. were talking about how you thought push was sort of underrated and we didn't get into it but i i think some of the cool things about push that i now remember are a bit of the world building yes and like absolutely yeah sort of creating this space and, and there's these not just oh we've created these superhero type people but like here's a lot of backstory to go with them i remember that being the case about jumper <laughs> having rewatched it <laughs> I think that's the thing that is missing the absolute most. And Mm -hmm. I have like a little bit of light Wikipedia research that I did to dig into that. (laughs) But what I remember about Jumper that still does hold up was Hayden Christensen. Mm -hmm. So I am an unapologetic Star Wars fan. 
Um, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself like a specifically prequels fan, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I don't think, I think there's a lot that's good in those prequels. And I think Hayden Christensen, if you watch those movies, they're not a great example of his acting. I mm-hmm. think of anybody who's a good enough fan or a big enough fan rather of Star Wars, they would have to admit to themselves that George Lucas is a brilliant man in many ways, but he is not an actor's director. Oh, absolutely. And I think that yeah. <laughs> someone like Hayden, who was still so early in his career and, and maybe didn't have quite the level of, of ability as, you know, like a Natalie Portman or mm-hmm. a Ewan McGregor, to throw him into this huge big budget thing that's going to have a bunch of people looking at him with a microscope. And the only person there to direct him is George Lucas, who's, you know, famously been quoted as basically only giving the direction of faster, louder. Mm. And like, that's really not useful. Um, And it's why you end up getting this fast speaking, uh, angsty, you know, loud teenager, whiny Anakin. Oh uh, yeah. As opposed to the real person. But if you watch movies like, uh, if you've ever seen Shattered Glass, so that's a movie. That... I haven't, but I have heard a lot of people uh, talking about that. So Shattered Glass is one that I think showcases his stuff. How about uh, Life is a House? No, I actually, you know, I was, I, I could have sworn I had seen him in something else, but I'm just okay. looking over his, uh, and I was just looking up his filmography now, because, um, and the only thing I've actually seen him in other than that, that I recognize on, um, on his list is, um, outside of the star wars stuff and now jumper was uh virgin suicides but i don't remember his role in that i totally forgot about he was supposed to be in virgin suicides it must have been real small too it must have been even i imagine so yeah so life as a house is another really great one that i would recommend if because obviously this isn't superheroes i won't talk about it too long but um i have personal attachments and dad things and stuff that go along with that it's a story about a father and son and and sort of Mm -hmm. finding their way together it is not the best written in terms of pacing um but i think he has a lot of opportunity to axe its shortfall is that it's still a lot of the same stuff from star wars even though it would have happened before where it's just sort of like mm-hmm. angsty teen showing a lot of you know powerful angry and sad emotions right. but he does that well and then philip glass or uh, shattered glass where he plays philip glass who's this uh reporter he does a really good job in that playing kind of this understated creepy where there's like this anxiety of his character always gonna like afraid that he's gonna get found out mm-hmm. but also like pro, uh sort of produce not producing what's the word i'm looking for projecting projecting mm-hmm. confidence and it, the ways that he gets away with all kinds of things in that story uh and it's based on a true story like with him just having projected this confidence but he does this subtlety where it's like He's projecting confidence, but you can kind of see it in his eyes that he's like, please don't call me on this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he does that so many times through the movie that I think he's just underserved. And so the other reason Hayden Christensen's on my mind is his return to, you know, Darth Vader in the Obi-Wan show. Which yeah. I could give you some back and forth and some goods and bads about mm. that show as well. But um, I'm just glad to see him getting some other chance. And my hope is that he'll be, that he's been positively enough received that he'll, he'll, he'll take his time and dip his toes back into acting because i think even movies like jumper that Mm. have a lot of flaws were just poorly picked projects that i think he could have like he i think actually his acting in this is pretty strong Mm -hmm. um and and it's and it gives him more to do than just angsty teen even though there is a lot of that too yeah um but yeah so hayden christensen's the big reason uh for those i i like to on our podcast give like i start always with credits 
So like some just basic things, Hayden Christensen there, Sam Jackson is also mm. in this and Sam Jackson is kind of just doing Sam Jackson. So it's not like, right. it's not even a mailed in performance, but it's also not, you know, it's not Django Unchained. He's mm. not, uh, you know, winning Oscars for it. Right. Um, but before he we does go a too, lot of fun. Before we go Continue. too deep in the movie though, a uh, few other things I wanted to quickly uh, talk about before we go too deep in the jumper. Uh, first thing I wanted to ask is uh, what is kind of like your intro point to, to superhero movies, superheroes in general, that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Um, so I am old enough that I didn't see it in person, but probably the first superhero movie that I can remember seeing uh, is 1978 Superman. Right. So, you know, just the the straight, um, you know, Marlon Brando as um, Jor-El. Hmm. And that's probably even the earliest thing I can remember, because I don't have a specific memory of the first comic books or wanting a comic book or having a comic book. But I do know that, like, at various points, cleaning out my closet in my, my room back at my parents' house, I can remember finding... Uh, Superman comics that I remembered reading specifically around like the death of Superman arc and the reign of the Superman. I can remember having, without even having really read the stories, I had the posters. Mm -hmm. um, there was like this series of posters for all the different reigns of the Superman. So if you, if anyone's familiar with that, you've got Superboy, uh, you've got Cyborg Superman, you've got uh, Steel, like mm -hmm. all these characters came out of that run of comics and they right. had apparently at some point done some like centerfold types of posters yeah, there was a huge media blitz around the death of Superman and the reign of the Superman oh, and stuff. Oh, huge. Like, th this is comics in the 90s. They were just like, mm -hmm. how can we get you to have to buy everything? And it, it probably came in something that had, like, a that plastic uh, hologram yep. or whatever that they called it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like 20 different variant covers for each one. They even had the, the Super Nintendo video game for the death and return of Superman. I remember having playing that as a kid. Yeah, they, they ooh, man, the merchandising, merchandising. Mm -hmm. they, they did it all. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Superman, that's probably me on board. And then I'm a big Spider-Man fan too. I had some early Spider, some 90s Spider-Man comics and stuff that I then was pushed away as I think some people are of like, oh, that's kid stuff or that's not mm -hmm. manly enough or what have you. Uh, and then somewhere after, like, even after I'd gotten into grad school and then it was, I started, uh, reading The Walking Dead because mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, like it was prestige, right? It's okay for you to be into comics because right. it's this prestige thing. And now I like have a, a series of Star Wars books and DC books and Marvel books that I just get every single week <laughs> at my local comic shop. So I've 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 re-entered that space since then. So what's the what what are some of the books you're reading uh, right now that are you're that are really kind of grabbing your interest then out of curiosity? Yeah, sure. Um so now that I've done some of the the other stuff, the ones that really actually interest me are ones that I have discovered that are more off the beaten path. So one that's sort of a superhero topic, but for your adult listeners, it might be a more interesting uh, exploration and departure. Not to plug another podcast, but one that I have been tearing through recently is comic book couples counseling podcast. Mm -hmm. They do kind of something similar to us in terms of like, they talk about love and relationship stuff, but they specifically relate it to some comic book characters. In addition to doing DC Marvel types of characters that we all know, they'll do more indie stuff. So there's this comic book called Sex Criminals. And oh, right, right, yeah. Heard. I've heard okay, of it, cool. but I've never yeah, heard, heard of it. It's, um, it's, uh, it's Fraction, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh-huh. So Matt Fraction, Chip Zdarsky. Yes. Okay, so you 
you're familiar with it at least. Anybody? I, I know the name, name. And, and yeah, it's one of those things that I've I've been here. I've heard a lot of good things about it, but other than hearing people saying like, "Oh, it's Matt Fraction, it's Chip Zardsky, and it's really good," and that's the that's all I know about it. <laughs> and so it's one of those things that it's on my list, and I'm like, I'm keeping an eye out for whenever it comes on sale on Comicsology. Then that's probably when I'll pick it up. That makes complete sense, and I and I absolutely. I, re- I recommend that. It's one that I took it because they were talking about it and, caught, and convinced me. I thought I liked it. I thought I'd give it a chance when I bought like a on eBay, I think, because I like the physical copies when mm-hmm. I'm reading comics personally. Uh, so I bought like a, you know, three or four dollar version of the first volume or something. And then liked that enough that I immediately splurged and spent almost a hundred dollars on hardcovers of the entire series. And I'm, I'm like halfway through it now. But the pitch for that, as I'm sure you probably know, Perry, if you remember at least the name, uh, without spoiling anything, I will just say that, like, within the first issue, you meet these two characters, and each of them has discovered in their youth that when they orgasm, the world freezes around them. Mm. That, like, at that climax, the world becomes still, and it is frozen, and for a long time, they think they're the only ones. They eventually discover each other, both having that superpower and I will say, if you're hooked by that, just know that like that's only the beginning of the mm. crazy, and where it goes from there uh, is kind of like in the Invincible comics, where you just don't think anything new or strange could happen, and then it takes a twist and uh, you know surprises you as a reader with something new. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, so, in fact, Patreon listeners will, by the time this episode comes out on the main on the main feed. Uh, Patreon listeners will actually have already heard us talking about Invincible because the way the schedule works, that's actually going to be coming out before this episode is. Awesome. Uh, well, yeah. very good. So, um, so we'll, we'll we'll talk more about Invincible in the in the Patreon show. Um, other thing I wanted to ask you, and this is something a new thing I've started doing on the show is just kind of asking people what what are you kind of interested in now? What kind? What's the thing that's really kind of grabbed your attention? right now at the moment it can be movies can be tv shows comics video games whatever what are you currently like obsessing with or really into right right now yeah that's a great question um i'm actually i think maybe i've re- the thing that's big so I, I watch a lot of the shows um you know game of thrones i'm kind of watching it's like not grabbing me as much mm. same thing about lord of the rings I really, really like She-Hulk. Uh, my wife and I watch that, but I think the thing that's kind of unexpectedly grabbed my attention is I've gone back to the Assassin's Creed video games. Oh, I was a big okay. fan of those and skipped a bunch of entries for a while as I kind of didn't love some of the or the more recent ones mm-hmm. and found them on sale and then bought like all the ones that I had missed and it was Odyssey and now I'm into Valhalla of like Mm. oh my god this is what I remember loving about these games you know and some of the storylines that are happening so I'm pretty deep into that and probably spend a lot of my extra free time uh you know raiding people and assassinating uh ancients from the from the video games yeah I I I was really into I got really into the Assassin's Creed stuff with uh with Black Flag and that was just that had grabbed me really hard and then, and then I then I went and I played uh, uh, Syndicate, and I'd gotten the the other the first three on on sale, and played them a little bit here and there. And then I picked up Origin, and during Origin, like I kind of like drifted off from it. <clears throat> and I have Odyssey, but I haven't really <clears throat> I haven't really dived into Odyssey yet. So I will say this: Origin is exactly the same one that caused me to drop off. Okay, uh, 
Like, <clears throat> and I, like you, I thought Black Flag was probably its peak where they had figured out, you know, we've got the mechanics of the assassination, cool stuff, but we also have larger exploration happening. And I think that they had still an interesting story going both sort of in the the now time and the past time. Yeah. And so I think that was the last time that they had all of those things firing on all cylinders. Syndicate and some others were fun, but they weren't really, you know, home runs, so to speak. Right. And in Origins, yeah. they changed so much. And it never, it no longer felt like the same video game in terms of its gameplay, which mm. I think is now a strength after some time. But they also, in my opinion, just totally bungled that story. I didn't care anything about the characters, either in the sort of modern day or in how they depicted them with Egypt. And so yeah. that's why, I, yeah, I, I finished that one and then was kind of like, eh, I don't need this Greek one. I didn't love the last one, whatever. Um, so when you've got time, pick it up and you may okay. become just okay. as obsessed as me. Yeah, because it is it it's still on my it's still on my PlayStation. Like I haven't deleted it yet because I'm just like I'm I'm gonna get back to it. But I just get like a bunch of other games. I'm like I want to finish sure. play, focus on some other stuff first. Um, but yeah, and another thing I had with with Origin was just uh, hold on. I was gonna say if you need to take care of that man. Uh, so yeah, the the Assassin's Creed game. Another problem I had with Origins was just there was so much filler with it. Like it's just this massive, yes. huge map and there's like all these different missions and stuff. And I'm just like, and just going around, I'm like, this is just so repetitive. And finally I'm just like, forget it. I'm done. Yeah. And it had a lot of like, not only was the stuff repetitive, but the side missions, the main mission never seemed to grab my attention enough to make me like, just choose to do that. Like I'm okay. Right. If a video game gives you that option. I'm someone who does like to go complete that stuff a lot of times, but mm -hmm. I also like want the main mission to kind of call to me. Like almost I need to, the only reason I go do side missions is to level up enough to go do this awesome, you know, yeah. story mission. And like I said, I just like, you know, I don't know how you managed to get Cleopatra to not be interesting, mm -hmm. but I, that's how I felt about it when it came to AC origins. So. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing, one of the things that I'm definitely into right now is I think She-Hulk was going to be my pick. Cause that is, yes. uh, that is just, I think I talked about this in the last episode uh, to the last one we recorded that is. Uh, so by the time people listen to this, She-Hulk will have already been, you know, over for a few months now, but, uh, <laughs> but man, that, that show was just so good. I just love that. It's this. Cause one of the problems I had with a lot of the other uh, Marvel shows, both on Netflix now on Disney plus is that I think they're trying to, they're invested too much in the idea of like the season long story arc. Sure. And, you know, this whole idea of it's, we're not doing a TV sh series, but we're doing like, you know, a six hour, eight hour, 13 hour movie basically is how a lot. Sure. And so there's always like this middle part that feels very kind of soft and just kind of like middling. And I don't feel that a lot with She-Hulk. Like it's got this, it's, it's got this episodic feel to it. It's almost like, you know, Allie McBeal was back in the day, but with superpowers. Yes. So it's, it's, yeah. it's so much fun watching, watching it. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I've been enjoying it so far. And I think we're only three, maybe four episodes in for listeners. So if, if it like mm. totally goes off the rails and people are listening to this by then and they're like, oh man, what are these dudes talking about? Like, just know that we were only talking yeah, about the first yeah. few episodes, but yeah. it's still very think, good so far. Yeah, I think episode four is the most recent one that came out. Um, the one with Madison, like that. I'm not sure if you saw that one yet. Um, and the and the magician, the stage magician. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. That. Yep. I do remember that specifically. Yeah. Yes. And and oh my god, like <laughs> two ends and one Y, but it's not where you think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. 
so that's that's good. And I'm glad you're going to be talking to Cy about um, about Miss Marvel too, because mm. I thought that was probably one of the stronger shows too. There was some middling for me. There in was the, yeah. some of the middle of that, but man, those first like two episodes of that were just killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know Cy had like Cy and I actually were texting back and forth and stuff about you know, some of the stuff that was happening there and, and, you know, me asking like, oh, is this like really kind of Kasai is, you know, connected to that culture in a way that I obviously am not. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, just, I love when something like that can in a interesting way and not in a force feeding or preachy kind of way, Mm -hmm. cause you to want to go like learn more about a topic, especially a topic in history. Yeah. And so, you know, the um the issues with you know uh, the so many families being broken apart and people being you know right. down and hurt yeah the partition uh, just like, yeah yeah the partition thank you that um, that interested me so much and uh right after i'd finished watching the show there was a podcast that came out called partition that's all about like the history of that so i haven't listened to it yet so i don't know if it's good or not or anything but it is on my feed and it's something i'm really looking forward to to dig into yeah i'm writing that down now um because Cy like sent me some stuff to read because i was like like man this is crazy that this happened Mm. or like i remember i had the same experience when i was watching i don't know if you watched the tv show since you're we're all about superheroes here you probably have but watchmen hbo series oh yes yeah yeah the uh, the the, tulsa massacre yeah i literally i especially because of obviously what that show is Mm -hmm. i thought to myself oh this must be some you know, uh, the the horrors that they are depicting here, there's no way that this actually occurred in our real world. It Mm. must be some mistake. And sure enough, it doesn't take long for you to figure out with some Googling and some digger deeping or deeper digging that that's (laughs) not true at all. Like that it did in fact happen and worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that was one of the things because Derek had known about all that history and he had said, you know, when we had talked about it, he's like, like, this is something that I knew about that you knew about, but most, and I'm like, no, actually I didn't know about it either. (laughs) And um, but yeah, we did uh, we did a three episode deep dive into Watchmen. So uh, so if anyone missed that, that was uh, it was like I think like around like the episode fourteen or fifteen or something like that. We did a, we did three episodes, one episode covering each of the three episodes, each of the three episodes of the TV show. So yeah, that was a, awesome. Yeah, we did, we got we went really deep into that show. So definitely check that out if if you're uh, interested. Um, but yeah, that was that was another example of just such an amazing way of utilizing culture and history in completely unexpected ways. And there was a lot of that in Ms. Marvel that, that you're right, it did make me want to track down some more of the, the information. I had some other issues with it just as far as like, I think like, it felt like they kind of lost focus a little bit when they were moving to going from New Jersey to Pakistan. I felt like that was more of a season two thing than a season one thing. But that's sure. a larger discussion. You'll hear me talk about that with, with Cy <laughs> when he comes on so uh but now we've done kind of like the pre-roll stuff so let's jump into to jumper <laughs> jumping into jumper i love that uh now i remember when this movie came out um 2008 it was it was actually when i first came to japan and i remember seeing previews for it and stuff and just kind of like thinking like oh it looks interesting but it wasn't one of those things that really grabbed me enough to think i want to go see this in the theater and so it's just one of those movies that and then after it came out there were a bunch of these types of movies, like these kind of like uh, young adult slash teen sci-fi superhero-ish movies. Like you mentioned Push. Also, there was another one like 
I am number four, I think was another one of those and Chronicle too. And there's a lot of these types of things that were happening around that time. This kind of like pre MCU, early MCU era where they're trying to, it feels like they're trying to find this, the, the next big thing and nothing's really landing. Yeah, I think a lot of it was probably like, at this point, X-Men and the first Spider-Man movies or so would have come mm. out. Yeah. And I suspect, just knowing how studios often operate, they were probably like, nah, the kids love them superhero movies. Mm. Let's make as many superhero movies as possible. And then they went off to go find the rights for those things. And many of them were owned by like Warner Brothers or, you know, other studios or like, you know, Sony owned like all the interesting Spider-Man stuff. And and as you said, especially later on, like Marvel Studios was starting to become a thing. So mm-hmm. they were holding on to their properties really tightly. So I think that, yeah, lots of people were scrounging. And that's where uh, I don't know if you found this, but some of your listeners may know this is actually based on Jumper is based on a 1992 novel. Yeah. Uh, and so that like i'm sure they were like well this is you know somebody somebody had some production assistant or some you know uh researcher who was just digging through old archives of you know trying to find anything that was superhero adjacent so that Mm. they could buy the rights to it or maybe even already had the rights who knows this these rights could have been purchased in like 1995 and then nobody made them until 2008 (laughs) well i mean it's only it was the the author stephen gould he didn't come out with the sequel until 2004 so there's like a almost a a, you know a 12 year gap between the first book and the second book but since this movie came out he released like two other books after that i saw that i was like it was funny this movie obviously didn't generate enough to to warrant the money for a sequel in terms of the movies Mm -hmm. but yeah like that he wrote a book that was all about uh the other character in this and i'm forgetting the character's name now oh goodness played by jamie bell the guy who was in oh uh, griffin thank you griffin literally like jumper griffin's story or something Mm. like that and as i was looking things up about the novel the character of griffin doesn't even exist in the novel oh like he then yeah right i'm just like what so uh, apparently, yeah, like he, he, this was popular enough and that character was popular enough that he was like, I'm going to write a story now about Griffin and sort of like make it be something that exists in the same world as these that other was also, novels that didn't have him before. And yeah, that was also the basis. There was a video game tie in and that and it was uh, Griffin's story, like the hunt for his like his parents killer was also like the basis for that video game. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know about that or, or forgot about it because that actually sounds familiar, but I, I'm not, I did not find that in my, my digging. No. Yeah. It's weird how <laughs> everyone's getting interested in Griffin. Cause I don't know. I'm not sure about you, but I had never, um, Griffin didn't like none of the characters really grabbed me that much. So it, sure. it, it feels yeah. weird to me that they're going to be like, we want, we think Griffin's so awesome. We're going to do a video game and a tie in novel to about him. Well, I'm sure it was at the time a lot of that stuff was greenlit before mm. they knew how there's like merchandising, merchandising. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and there's also a TV spinoff apparently too called Impulse. Um, it was on uh, uh, YouTube. YouTube. I saw YouTube that too. Premium, and it was yeah. only on YouTube's premium, and I was like, oh man, the only thing that anyone knows YouTube premium for is Cobra Kai. Kai. Yeah, yeah. And it's only because like I feel like most of the world didn't even know it existed until netflix picked it up so oh yeah yeah although i was that guy who was doing the like occasional i would buy for one month the youtube mm-hmm. premium subscription to watch the first two seasons of cobra kai so well apparently it had gotten um 
this series, Impulse, had gotten 20 episodes. It had two seasons, uh, 10 episodes yeah. each. And fairly recently, like it, it came out in 2018. Yeah, um, that's I saw that. So I didn't even realize I didn't even realize YouTube was still doing original programming. <laughs> right? Yeah, I thought the same thing when I read it. There were so many interesting things. Like, this movie, I could go on and on too about some mm. of the stuff that happens, good and bad. Yeah. Uh, but like, I almost think the story behind other pieces to it is fascinating to me. Like, you know, you mentioned uh, there's this spinoff TV series. There was a spinoff video game I didn't even know about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fact that uh, you've got people behind this that, you know, it just is so fascinating because like the apparently the other thing is I read the the whole plot of the idea of there being this these paladins mm-hmm. right that was not in the book at all either oh okay like essentially the character that samuel jackson plays was just an nsa agent so like that's supposed to be a nod in the first scene where he like fake introduces himself as an nsa agent i see but for whatever reason i guess they decided like maybe because it was too still too close to 9-11 that they didn't want to like make nsa people look bad or um they just felt that people were more into secret societies at the time because i feel like secret you know cloak and dagger types of organizations was a thing but to me that like hurts this story too because one of the weakest points is they like create this whole idea of the paladins and we kind of talked earlier about like this movie does not do a good job with world building yeah yeah that was that was my biggest thing because i you know push really impressed me because it was this movie that wasn't really well received at the time and I watched it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see why people didn't respond to this movie. It's definitely got, it's got a lot of soft areas. That it definitely kind of, you know, it, it loses my interest about halfway into it. But sure. the world building is so well done, and I'm just like, I want to see, like, I want to see like a TV show set in this in the in this world with these concepts. All of that was done so well, and using a, a different setting like, um, what was it, Hong Kong? I think that was also sure. really cool. You know you know, being an expat myself, I think that's, that's a really interesting thing to, to do that, kind of, to move it to a different area instead yeah. of always like, you know, New York or nondescript U.S. city that's actually Vancouver <laughs> or something like that. Um, so I thought it was really cool to say like, no, we're going to, we're going to make this, put this in Hong Kong. And, and again, they didn't, they didn't do much with that concept, but just the idea of it was something different that a lot of other play, things weren't doing. Yes. And, and this one, I, I think it's cool that I love that they shot in so many different locations. They really took exa- advantage of the the teleporting aspect of that, and you know, moving around. Because I've read they they'd actually filmed on location like twenty different cities or something like that. Oh, and it looks gorgeous. It and does. they did a great it job does. with like yeah. however they make the teleporting look, and then yeah, the cinematography of like we are filming an actual city, and you can mm-hmm. sense that. Yeah, yeah, all of that was really really good. But the biggest problem with um, with push was it had a great world building but it had you know not so great characters and not so great story this one it didn't have great world building and <laughs> the characters weren't that great either and the story was just like i don't even know what the story is you, you if you put a gun to my head and you asked and you demanded i tell you what this story is i just be like pull the trigger i can't do it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I feel very similarly. Like I had said earlier, I think my, I, I conflated some of my memories of time as Jumper. 
and then also my rose-colored glasses that I will die on the hill that Hayden Christensen did a pretty mm. decent job in his acting in this. But he also didn't have a lot to go on. <laughs> like, it, that character is not fleshed out. <laughs> it's the same problem with the, with the prequel trilogy, right? He's a good actor. You can see there's talent there. But it's just, like, he's just given such bad material to work with. And I'm just like... Yes. I, like, because I had rewatched the prequels, um, I think it was, like, last year, my wife was interested in going through and seeing all the Star Wars stuff. Now it's all on Disney Plus and it has Japanese subtitles. She was interested in sure. going back and going and going through and watching all the movies. So we went and we did that and watching the prequels and getting to the the Anakin stuff, I was just like, I'm like, God, he's he's so fucking annoying. And I and I'm like, but I'm like, <laughs> but I, it's not his fault because it's just like that's the way the character is written. The character yes. is written to be an irritating little shit. And I'm like, and He's he's good in he's, he's good in that, but it's just like I wish you had better material to work with. Yes, so so much so, mm. and I actually think this is one where there's still not a lot done, but he shows ranges. Like there's scenes he does, where he's yeah. you know opposite Diane Lane, or there's the scene where like he he flips back to his dad's house and clearly is like stashing stuff there. And there's that moment where he's been gone for eight years. His dad has not actually seen him in person, but like has kept hearing him, and you can just mm. tell like. And, you know, Michael Roker, who, like, was not really a name by this time either, right. also doing a phenomenal job. He's running up there and he's, like, you know, desperately saying, like, you know, I, I basically, I think you are there. I know you can hear me. Like, just tell me if you're alive or tell me I'm not crazy or something like that. Yeah. And then Hayden has this moment where, you know, he stops and he's thinking and it's just kind of like you're looking at his face and you see this, like, confliction within him because... Mm. You know, there's these mixed emotions of, like, I do not have a good relationship with this man. There's a reason that I left in the first place. Um, but, you know, like, I don't want him to think he's crazy. Like, he doesn't deserve that right. kind of yeah. thing. And, like, all of that's there. And then the funny thing to me is, like, there's more in both of those actors' faces that's being presented than is ever explained or shown in any way for, Absolutely. like, a backstory. Yeah. They're just kind of like, uh, I think there's a line somewhere in there of before he's even, you know, Hayden Christensen. He says something like, well, my home life wasn't much of a home or my dad wasn't much of a dad. And, like, that's all you have to yeah. go on. You don't yeah. really see him ever be particularly mean or anything. He doesn't seem to understand it. But, like, there's no depth to that there's no character development you have no idea like if he abused him or whatever and even the idea that they maybe set it up as like oh and that's why the mother left mm -hmm. but they pull the rug out from underneath that idea when they make a yeah well i mean it's there's so many end up being one of these paladins that clearly only left for that reason it's like what the heck <laughs> there is such a dearth of talent in this movie both behind and on camera i mean it's you know, yes you've got christensen as we've been talking about Max Thoreau, you know, playing uh, playing uh, David at 15, you know, Rachel Bilson's yes, in okay. this, Samuel L. Jackson, Jamie Bell, Diane Lane, Teddy Dunn from uh, from Veronica Mars, Michael Rooker, uh, even Kristen Stewart and like a, <laughs> at the end there. Uh, but it's just like there's so many good actors in this. And it's just like the and such a good director. Like Doug Lyman is such an underrated I say, director. I mean. I will die born on this identity, hill, but born tomorrow. identity, born identity, edge of tomorrow. Where um, I prefer the the other the re-release title of it. Um, uh, Live die repeat. Live die repeat. Yeah, I thought that was a much better t title of it. Um, but yeah, these and and Doug Lyman. I mean, the original born identity, the first born identity movie. Like I will die on this hill, but that movie is the best one of that trilogy. The other two, I fucking despise Paul Greengrass and his. <laughs> 
and is I've never heard of a tripod style of directing. It's just like it's, <laughs> it it annoy it, like I I want when I see an action movie, I want to actually be able to see the action and right? and in Born Identity, that was it was brilliant. Like the way he shot it, the way he filmed the action, all of it was perfect. Then we get and this is another tangent and but Paul Greengrass just like he's like I'm gonna have the camera you know moving all around the place so you have you have no idea what the hell's going on yeah um but yeah and then it, it it I always thought it was such a travesty that Lyman got these that those movies taken away from him and he hasn't really been able to have this breakout really since uh but he has this and you can see like even though he's got a terrible script like his it, the movie, like you were saying, the movie looks beautiful. He does a great job utilizing all these locations and 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 filming them in a way that looks amazing. Um, but also, like, even the script, talking about the people behind this, because like all through it, there's people that are like, you see what all other movies these people have done, and they're like yeah. stellar work. Like uh, the names I wrote down, David S. Goyer is mm. like someone who pinned for Dark Knight trilogy. Dark Knight trilogy, Jim... the Blade films. Um, yes, thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also Simon Kinberg had did a had did a, a, a draft of the script as well, or did some work on it. And he did the um, and you know it's funny because both of them they they've got both of those writers they've got amazingly good stuff like goyer and the dark knight trilogy or or the first two blade movies or then you've got um uh kinberg and days of future past or x2 but then you've also yep. got goyer with the crow city of angels and <laughs> late trinity and um Batman uh, jumper. Superman uh. and, and jumper now too uh and then you know simon kinberg which yeah he did he did um days of future past but then he did apocalypse and dark phoenix and 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 both of them they both kind of they both tried their hands at directing and it was awful both times too. So, so you got a real mix there with those two, but I mean, Doug Lyman, when I think about it, I think this is the first time I've seen a bad movie of his. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my wife and I on our podcast, one of the things we always do with our guests is we, we like ask for a rating at the end, but then we also say, would you renew your vows? Like regardless mm. of what you rate it for you personally, would you watch this again? Kind of thing. And I turned to my wife after we watched this this past week, and I said, "I don't think I ever need to see this again." So, spoiler: yeah. I'm, I'm not returning. I'm not renewing my vows to this movie. Like, my memory of it was way better than. <laughs> yeah, it's just I, I, I'm not even. Like I said, I, I found myself drifting off. It's only, and the weird thing is, it's under ninety minutes. It's not a very long movie, right? But it is one of those movies where it feels so much longer than it really is. Yes. Yes. Yeah, uh, which is sad, but it's because of all this talent behind it. But yeah, you go watch this movie and you're like, oh, now I understand why it was forgotten to the annals of movie dumb. <laughs> yeah, which makes me wonder why they, because like I was so surprised when you said that they didn't have the Griffin character in the in the novel at all. So I'm just kind of like, there was like, this... what was the story? Yeah, right? because they didn't it, have the Griffin it, character. They, they didn't, didn't have... have the Paladins. It was like right. I think they basically took the idea of a teenager who you know has this power and that's it if i remember correctly um oh god i wrote something down here oh maybe it was just i like basically from what i remember because i was reading the wikipedia page it says like the first setup like the first part where it's not even hayden christensen which by the way it mm. takes like 15 minutes before the main actor is on the screen for longer mm. than three seconds yeah like there's yeah. this moment where it's like zooming in on hayden and he's like clearly doing a voiceover to set up then what is 15 minutes of some completely different actor which is funny in itself 
But apparently, like, that set up the idea of, like, this is his backstory. That was the same. And then nothing else. Like, no, uh, you know, uh, paladins, no, mm. uh, none of the same actors, characters, etc. And so it's just like, wow, what is this? Is, and that's another thing is I feel like Hollywood often just is like, when we're scrambling for, you know, superhero movies are popular right now. We got to come out with more superhero movies. They take some kernel of an idea and then they just like do whatever they want to it. I just feel like you can, I just, I feel studio notes all oh, over yeah. this thing. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> all over this thing. Yeah. I mean, well, like I, another thing I'm trying to figure out is I can't understand why Samuel L. Jackson even dyeing his hair because there's one scene where it's like the hair dye starts sm getting smeared on his face. And I'm like, didn't somebody <laughs> notice this when they were filming it? Oh man. Yeah, that's another balance question. Why? Like what was that choice? <laughs> Maybe I don't know, was Dennis Rodman a thing in 2008 I, or is that like No, on? I mean that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like I don't get why he's doing this. And I'm not sure if that's a decision by the studio, if that's something that Jackson did himself. Like he just shows up on set one day and he's like I decided to dye my hair white. I mean that's very probably, very probable. So um, I'm Mother F and Samuel Jackson. You're not going to hmm. tell me not to. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, yeah, because the I'm looking up the the story of the original book now. Um, yeah. Apparently, his his mother was murdered on a business trip by terrorists because her plane was hijacked. Oh my God, I didn't get that part. Yeah, I didn't get that and uh, and he went to and he went out basically for revenge, trying to find the terrorist who was responsible. Okay, um, and it's like that's. A much that's a more interesting yeah, story. it's so much more interesting especially when you got the nsa aspect of it as well it seems like such a much more interesting story than what we got and it feels like they i don't know who said that who felt like we needed to have because i remember you made the point about maybe it was too close to 9-11 but i mean this is 2008 it's you know, we're already yeah, we've we're, definitely had things with yeah terrorists yeah so yeah. It's, it's not that close to it so i don't think that's i wonder I don't know why they felt that they had to have this whole idea of this secret society, which is, and again, I don't understand what the purpose of this society is. Or another thing too, is when Samuel, when Jackson, um, you know, Roland, when he meets um, David for the first time, the way he talks about jumpers, it almost feels like they're, they're not jumpers. Aren't the only type of super powered characters in this universe. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like in Push. like, And I think that's where a lot of the conflation in your mind came through with Push because yes. Push had these different categories of, 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 of powers. And so you had like the, you had, you had the pushers, you had the, I can't remember all of them, but you, but you go back and re-listen to the episode. Spears or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the way Roland talks about pushers in this, like he says, oh, he's a pusher and I, or he's a jump. See, I'm already conflating them. <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, he's a jumper and all this. I'm like, wait, so does that mean there are other types? But then they're never mentioned at all. Yeah. There's like this whole ass world building aspect to it that is just completely ignored because I'm just like, because at first I'm intrigued by the idea of like, okay, he's working for this organization. They're trying to go after these guys, but why? I don't that's it just never makes any sense to me because he says like your this power is only reserved for God and I'm just like this doesn't even begin to make sense. Yeah, there's like this weird sort of pseudo-religious aspect to things, mm. but they don't really connect any of that to these I, I, like I wonder this is around the same time as like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and stuff like that too, which mm. go look that movie up everyone and that yeah. like is the last movie that sadly uh 
Sir Sean Connery ever did. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, and, and so like speaking of studio notes, it makes me wonder if there was like a note that was like, well, what if his mother was still alive mm -hmm. and could you maybe make this open for sequels? Like it feels like someone took the plot in, in, initially and said, well, not only are superheroes cool right now, secret societies are cool right now. Uh, we want this to be a franchise because that's the only thing we want to do right now is create franchises. Mm. And by the way, we have Diane Lane in some deal where she has to do more movies with us. So why don't you make her be in this so that when mm. the sequels happen, she has to sign longer. And I feel like you, it almost feels to me like there was this solid thing probably built on that terrorist plot you're talking about or some aspect of the original novel. And then someone said, no, we need to make this so that there's a secret society and that it mm. can be having sequels. And then they went back and they were like, okay, we're going to like create these paladins and we're going to do this subplot, you know, like mother secretly still being alive. That's always interesting. It's mm. not redundant or overdone. Um, and, and it feels like those rewrites were done like in a weekend. And that's yeah. why the world building Absolutely. is just like not there. Cause it was yeah. just like, ah, we don't have time to think about any depth of this. We have to, you know, we're starting filming on Monday, Friday, they told us to make it a franchise. So now we have to figure it out. <laughs> well, especially that scene at the end, when we find out that his mother is still alive and he goes to see her and, and she says, well, I was a paladin and I couldn't, and my choices were either, were either to kill you or to, or to leave you. And, but then she says, and then he, but the thing that killed, and I'm like, okay, that's, you know, cliche, but understandable right. story point. But then I think at the end when he's like, so what are we going to do now? And she says, well, I'm going to give you a head start. I'm like, wait a minute. So you left your son because you didn't want him to die. And now you're saying that you're going to come hunt him down. Like I couldn't. Yeah. You left your son at five years old because you didn't want to have to kill him. You heard about him being arrested and therefore showed up to help break him out of Italy randomly. Mm. And then when he shows up on your doorstep, all of a sudden the change tune is I'm coming for you. You know, here's your five seconds type of yeah, thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. So inconsistent. It's so, so inconsistent. inconsistent. Um and, and it's just like and not enough is explained about how these jumpers exist, why they exist. Cause with the mother disappearing, I had gotten this I thought they were building up to the whole thing of like she was a jumper too, that's why he's a jumper, or something like that. But there's no yes. Not even that small bit of explanation. None of that is there. So I, I, I just find myself thinking. I'm like, I mean, at least in in push, there was an attempt to explain things to some extent. <laughs> There's, they're just like, no, we, we we don't want to explain anything. You're just, you're yeah. Just I feel like they it. were just like, oh, dude, we have that. We have Darth Vader because I'm sure they wouldn't have like really mm. been thinking of his name. They're like that kid from from the Star Wars movies is in this. We got Diane Lane and Sam Jackson. This is definitely going to sequel. Mm -hmm. We don't have to bother to explain the backstory because we're going to have more movies to do that. It feels right. like that was the sentiment. Like, oh, we're yeah. going to get sequels so we don't have to worry about trying to do any world building. We'll do it in the next one. Yeah, yeah. And then surprise, when you don't do a good job world building, you don't get a next one. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's very much like, it reminds me of a lot like um, Batman v Superman and like we're, they're, they're focused so much yes. on we have to build up for all the sequels. I'm like, well, you kind of forgot that you still have a story you have to tell in this movie. Yes, yes. And that's where you end up with things that are like, and I actually think that had they done more with the mother plot and the whole Martha thing mm. in, in different ways, that could have been interesting. Mm -hmm. But instead, like the moment when he first says like, why did you say that name? I literally 
remember thinking to myself, like I had to remind myself that Bruce Wayne's parents, her, his his mother's name was Martha, mm. because out of nowhere he's just like, "Why did you say that name?" And I'm like, "Why do you care that he mm. said that name? You've done nothing to set this up for me." I remember seeing that in the theater, and I'm just like, "It was, it was a surreal moment because I'm just like, this is not happening right now. This is not <laughs> happening right now." <laughs> yeah, even because the, they like let it happen, and he keeps going, "You don't say my name, don't say my name," and then I was like, "Oh yeah, both of their parents' names are Martha." okay is that really the thing that we're hanging this entire turn on yeah yeah anyway uh yeah anyway (laughs) yeah yeah um i mean this isn't that bad i will say that it's not as bad as it's not as offensively bad as um as batman v superman but it is just bland right it's just like there's there's nothing there and it's just and it's just it, it it plods along it's very for a Doug Lyman movie with so much action in so many different locations, it should move a lot faster yes. than this. Yeah, it should be like the Born Identity. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it just unfortunately doesn't. And it's, yeah. it's like, yeah. And that, that's the thing is like, I actually do think there's kernels of ideas there. Like I, even despite them having done a shitty job of making me care and inconsistency with characters, I still leave the movie being like, well, I want to know more about mm. this history of the Paladins. When did mm. they start? Are they clearly they're kind of implying that it maybe started way back in you know medieval times, times yeah, you know yeah. medieval times, yeah. And it's like, have they been there for tracking these jumpers since way back then? And what is all of that? What but did they kind of like? Go they, ahead. they they set up so many different avenues for what the main story can be here. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, you've got the idea of there's even this one aspect in the beginning when he's he's in his you know his swanky new york apartment and he sees on the tv that there are these people who are trapped and they can't and they don't have any help and then he and then he then he gets up and he walks and he takes the umbrella and the the doorman says like oh it's not gonna rain he's like oh well you never know and then and it seems like they're setting it up to him going out there to help people and then he just goes yes. to london to sleep with some random chick and i'm just like why 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 set that up so much and then just do this complete 180 twist. And like, there's so many different, and the whole idea is it sets up this idea in that one scene of like, and I figured out, I'm like, okay, I see what we're doing here. He's selfish. He's only using his powers for personal gain. He's going to go on a heroic journey. He's going to realize he has to use his powers to help. He doesn't, it doesn't happen. (laughs) It doesn't happen. But then there's the whole idea of like, he leaves his, he leaves his father. It's like his mother left him. So I was like, okay, it's so the story. He's, he has this power. He can go anywhere in the world. So he's going to try and track down his mother and find out why she left. And that's just like a postscript at the end of the movie. And, yeah, yeah. but even like, you know, oh, well he, he finds, he reconnects with his, with his schoolyard, his school time crush. So he's going to use his powers to impress her and to, but he just takes her on a plane to Italy. And then it's just like, it's, it's, it's gone. Or then he meets, then you got the paladin stuff. It's like, oh, there's the secret society. And Roland even mentioned somebody's helping you with this. And it's like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's do. like, oh, there must be somebody who's and that reminds me of there's a, a line when Griffin says, like, welcome to the war or things like that. And so there's yeah. like this implication that there's this army of jumpers out there, but then two ten minutes later, Griffin is saying, like, nah, man, this is my fight. I'm fighting it alone. And fuck you, you can't do anything with this. And it's like, well, then what war were you talking yeah, about? Like, yeah. why did you make it seem like you wanted to recruit him? Like, why are you following him? What is going on? It feels like they had 10 different scripts and they just took elements from different ones and put them and cobbled them all together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's, oh, 
so frustrating. Yeah. Because, like, like you said, any one of these things. I remember I was thinking the same thing when they, I was like, oh, I forgot about this whole maybe he goes and saves people and does mm. nice things when it shows at the very beginning, you know what I mean? Of, of... Well, I mean, that, it's so weird because that is, like, the perfect – I'm not sure if you know about Save the Cat, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the – yeah. That is the perfect save the cat moment right there, right? He's this selfish guy. He's stealing all this money. He's buying, he's waste spending it all on himself. And then, but he goes to, he goes to this, um, you know, this hurricane ravage area to help people out. And that, that right there, save the cat moment right there, right there. And you just walk past it. Yeah. And then they could even have set that up, like you said, of like an interesting hero's journey where he like right. comes to realize that he should be using his powers for good. And they even, I think, do like a the 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 girlfriend or whatever could have served for that purpose mm-hmm. to help drive that narrative, but they just don't do that either. Yeah. Like instead, yeah. she's just like worried that he's breaking into places. She's never being like, you know, she never finds out about his powers and then is like, you should use this for good, and then mm-hmm. that becomes the thing that convinces him. No, she just like finds out about his powers and by that time they're blowing up her apartment. Like I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's also this whole setup where you could do it as, like, you know, a love story type thing where he's using his powers to impress her, like, you know, with the thing, like, taking her. But that, that that's just dropped very quickly to, yes. to focus on the, the paladin chasing him thing. And then with the paladins thing and, like, talking about, oh, because there was, there's this line that Griffin says something about, like, he tried to move a whole building with his <clears throat> jump. There's some other guy that tried to move a whole building with his jump and he's dead. Yeah. Right? And so, like, a, there's another like side plot of like, are there more jumpers? Does Griffin know the other jumpers, or is it just him? And then B, they have that big moment where Hayden. Then it's like kind of there's that that's the only line, but then there's like kind of this implied big moment because Hayden manages to move the entire room mm-hmm. like a huge section yeah. of a building. And so there could have also been this cool plot of like, you know, Hayden is the most powerful jumper mm. that ever existed, and he's going to explore that. But again. No, never actually yeah. go anywhere into that. It's just like a line in a moment and vaguely connected. <laughs> yeah, it's God. It's I, I don't understand why someone didn't think like maybe we should connect some of these story threads together, because there's so many different ways you can use any one of these could be the focus of a whole movie and could be yes. pretty a pretty good damn good movie, but like I, I just I, I'm just kills me out because he he go because you I'm I'm hung up on that hero thing because I'm just like he get, okay. So I remember watching it, and he, I'm like, okay, so he's going to do the hero thing, and then he's going to come back, and he's going to go back and be the self. So he's got that aspect of goodness. Then he goes away, goes off to London, and then he comes back. He's like, oh, I guess you're right. I didn't need the umbrella. I'm like, oh, so you're just an asshole then. I guess this is what, we're te- what you're telling us <laughs> Right? <here."> like, <laughs> truly. <laughs> like, you're just a douche, and there's absolutely yeah. no reason we should care about you as a character. And, and that reminds me, because a lot of times my wife and I, because of the nature of our podcast when we're watching movies, something we just end up discussing a lot of times mm. is how romantic relationships are depicted in right. movies this romantic relationship <laughs> should throw red flags for any woman mm-hmm. uh, like they, they do not set up that they're actually dating in high school it sort of seems like he just maybe has a fling for and you can't tell if she's just being nice or is actually yeah. into him and then he disappears for eight years shows up again and says hey want to go to italy red flags red flags everywhere you should not I mean, be getting especially when he's like, he's being so he's being so vague about what he does for a living i mean you're i mean so he's 15 so that's eight years later so he's what like 23 20 something like that now so you got sure, this yeah. guy who's like clearly didn't finish high school <laughs> and has disappeared for eight years now he comes back he's splashing all this money around he's like oh I, i'm in banking yeah yeah 
that's a believable story. Come on. <laughs> yes, yes. And there's no reason she should, like, even leave with him, let alone fall in love with him. Well, I mean, like, she oh even points, that's, that's the thing that kills me, is, like, she knows it, too, because she points it out. She's like, you were terrible at math. You you failed algebra. How the fuck are you in banking at 23 years old? And it's just like, I I, I, I wouldn't lie to you. And it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right? You had a traumatic experience where you gave me a, a snow globe. So mm. clearly you're a trustworthy person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. Just It's just so bad. It, that, that comes up a lot, too, especially I feel like in the mid-2000s. Just every relationship that exists is because again like i feel like studio notes there's there's mm. so many movies that it's like you can just feel like they were like ah people want there to be a boy girl you know boy meets girl <clears throat> there's always got to be a boy meets girl or there can't be and so you have movies that like don't need it don't, don't deserve it don't have it there and it's just like a boy meets a girl anyway you know what i mean yeah, and then yeah. they fall in love for absolutely nothing that is justified by what is depicted no, on the screen no. like <laughs> they fall in love because they fall in love yeah there's yeah. there's no evidence of any sort of real romantic connection between them because like and again christensen and is a good actor bilson maybe not as good but she's decent yeah, enough she's okay she's okay <laughs> i mean she's but like if you see her in things like you know she was good in the last kiss she was uh she was really funny in her appearances on how i met your mother so she's got yeah. she's got some talent like she's not she's not worth she's not a worthless actress is what i'm saying correct she's got enough to to, to play believable characters but it's yeah, just if like they there's gave her anything if to they gave her about. anything to work yeah. with but like her and Christensen, they just have no. It, it's very similar to, you know, him know and and um, <clears throat> Natalie Portman in the Star Wars movie. It's like you know, Anakin and Padme. They've got both great actors, but just like the, no chemistry, nothing. There's nothing there. Yeah. And I yeah. felt the same thing with with him and, and Rachel Bilson because it's like they're both of these guys can clearly act, but it's just like there's not enough that's making me buy their relationship at all. Correct. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it's not I like we're bad at tangents, but like side tangent too. I think Natalie Portman hasn't had chemistry with anyone since Lay on the Professional. That's a hot take. Oh, you wow. can listen to our episode <laughs> about uh, the Thor, the most recent Thor movie. I there's yeah, uh, I think she's a brilliant actress, but like whew, she is not uh, not good. And Hayden, yeah, again, Hay Hayden and Bilson in this is just mm -hmm. like yeah, there was nothing nothing on the page for them. It's like I showed up back in your life, so we're in love still, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> But even the whole idea with the, the schoolyard bully coming back, too. And I'm just like, this is like, this feels like this is five years too late for this moment to happen. <laughs> right? Yes. It, it, it just, it feels really weird. But again, that's another story point. Like, you know, him going back and resolving old grudges. And people would be like, why are you being such an asshole now? It's like, but there's so many different things. And, but yeah, the whole point about her, her character only exists in this movie so that, Roland has something to hold over David's head. That's it. That's the only reason. It's it's a it's right out of Spider-Man three, where it's you know the only the only reason Mary Jane shows up at the end there is so the villains can kidnap her. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> and it's and that's sad, frankly. I yeah. mean, and that, that's a reason that we have people who have levied very legitimate complaints against the movies that have existed and in, in the movie oh, yeah, industry and yeah. the fact that there's men that I mean, like. I'm sure you've heard the stories of like the previous Disney exec that was saying over at Marvel, you know, no, we can't do a, a Black Widow movie because oh yeah yeah um, see female-led superheroes. Rod Perlman, yeah 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 yeah, and it's just like 
what <laughs> like and that's the attitude towards women or the attitude is oh the woman can be in the movie but she has to be effectively like you're saying like she's a pretty object that he cares about exactly and that's yeah the purpose that she serves yeah you know what is it the um is it bechtel or bechter test oh bechtel. uh the the, the bechtel test. i think it's bechtel test yeah okay yeah bechtel test so like I, it sounds like you're familiar with it it's basically the idea of like you you know the, the do you have women on screen discussing anything other than the men of the movie and yeah. like nope no nope, like she nope. doesn't not only does she not have like that discussing other men she doesn't have a scene with another woman like, no no the only other women in this movie are um the woman he sleeps with at the bar um his mother and his estranged sister and that's it yeah. Th that's it that's it <laughs> Yeah, Kristen Stewart, that like apparently is half sister or something that he yeah you know, like throwing in there at the end, and that was funny because this was before, um, this was this would have been before those movies, the the, the Twilight the Twi movies. Oh really? But I okay. feel like when she when they open the door for her, there's almost this framing of like, hey, look, it's the chick from Twilight, and like that wouldn't have been a thing when this movie first came out. Oh, so. Okay, so yeah, that that came out the same year apparently as this. Yes, it would have been right at the same time. <clears throat> yeah. I think. I wonder then if maybe that coming to think of it maybe there was enough distance in between them that they were like, if they, if it, cause if this came out after, but like only a couple of months, mm. maybe that made a huge difference. I wonder anyway. if maybe like, again, it, cause it seems like they were so focused, like you talked about before, they're so focused on setting things up for a sequel or like a franchise here. So I wonder if they're like, well, she's in this vampire movie. We know it's really popular book. So it's going to be a really popular movie series. So let's get her in now for the sequel, because then the yeah. sequel can be like, his mom her and, and her mom hunting him down which doesn't make yeah. any sense but that you could see that's could the be path they're going down yeah 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 that that would have been and again would have been more interesting than, than mm. what you get from this movie yeah. yeah yeah no no yeah no no women and then i think there's like he has a conversation with like a friend of hers when he's looking for her at a bar or something like yeah that. but yeah. it's like literally other than <laughs> bilson's character even diane lane who's a brilliant actress in her own right as well like has two and a half scenes you know what i mean like yeah and why, all of them again I, direct interactions with him why why do they people why do they keep wasting diane lane in superhero movies is what i want to know <laughs> yes <laughs> yes we'll we'll stay away from the yeah <laughs> yeah Superman once again um yeah it's it's too bad but yeah um, um i don't know i think that's all i have to say about jumper is there anything else you wanted to mention um so we talked about Millie being unbelievably trusting. I will say like, I think, and this is again, I think almost a criticism of the, the like studio execs we've been talking about. I will say like me, part of the reason I'm sure I love this is it, it is like teenage boy fulfillment fantasy. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, and that is it. Like it is just, you don't need to know anything further than I can go anywhere in the world that I want to literally in an instant. And I have all the money in the world that I could possibly want. And I can sleep with any woman that I possibly want. And like, that is just like, that was as far as anyone actually got to in terms well, of this I mean, movie. I think, and, it, and it's it, so it, telling. It that is, time, you know that I mean? is the best part of the movie, actually. When he's, when he's going, when he's doing his jumper thing and he's going to all these different places, right? He's, he's surfing in one part of the world. He's having lunch on the Sphinx in another part. 
Yes. And he's like, then I remember, and even now I can see that, you know, me being a, a guy on, on the verge of 40, like watching it now, I could be like, I can think back. I'm like, oh yeah, that would have been really cool to have that power when I was that age. And it's like this whole idea of like, because one of the big things, like when you're young, you, you're adventurous, you want to travel, but you don't have the fucking money to do it. So yes. it's like, that's, that's such a cool idea. To, it's like, okay, he can go anywhere in the world. He doesn't have to worry about the money because he can just boom, he's there. And I'm like, that's such a, there's so many different stories you could tell with just that concept. And again, they just waste it. It's just wasted. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Just like you said, it's, it's like, that's just like so much, so much wish fulfillment. And like, mm. it, it's, I, I think you summarize it perfectly as to why. So I won't even <laughs> restate that, but, um, oh, other things that like are just random inconsistent. They clearly like meant for Samuel Jackson's knife that he keeps killing the jumpers with. Yeah. Like he's like ceremonially peeling it out of this piece of leather and then stabbing them. And it's like zero explanation. There's never a name for it. There's no explanation as to why it matters or if it, if like jumpers can only be killed by this knife, like it has to be silver for werewolves or something. Um, and then one last thing I will just give is like a, a criticism is like there's this inconsistency about whether or not it's okay to like jump in public like at one point they're yeah. like oh you know be be discreet about this behavior you know you being indiscreet is what causes the paladins to find us and then in the next scene they're like both just jumping in broad daylight in and out of crowds or like mm -hmm. jumping a car for a cool chase scene and it's just like okay either <laughs> this is a thing that we need to keep secret or it's a thing that we flash in front of people for fun it can't be both <laughs> but that's another thing too and that goes back to the whole idea of like this whole war aspect this whole like underground people because there's never <clears throat> the way griffin's talking about it like showing in the ropes like this is something it's almost like he's he's like didn't who did why didn't somebody teach you this didn't the you know the head of the jumper league or whatever come and, yeah, and yeah. explain the rules to you and it's just like and he's like the way he's talking it seems like there there should have been some someone who sought him out so it's like there's this whole aspect of it it's like why don't you know this it's like well, is there is there a group was there a manual like where how, how is he supposed to know that's i just don't understand what's going on here and actually now that i'm like clicking i'll bet you we were talking about assassin's creed earlier thinking mm. about the timelines of things i think the first assassin's creed game came out around 2008 so I, I believe so. Yeah, like, like 2007. Yeah, 2007, 2000, somewhere like that. Yeah. Yeah, because or or maybe it was even 2006. I went to I would have gone to college in like 2006, and I remember probably my sophomore years when I was playing that first Assassin's Creed game, and I was one of the people who was obsessed with it at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. But that always has this storyline of like these two competing forces: the Assassins versus the Templars, and they're both right. these secret societies, you know, and you're supposed to quote unquote be rooting for one over the other that again like it seems like they're setting that up as you said like like you know he should have been trained by an assassin and somebody should have taken them under their wing and, and why didn't that occur because otherwise you are going to get caught by these templars you should know that these templars exist you which is another another <laughs> story that could have been here right the whole um the whole buffy type of thing where yes he wasn't yeah. you know they they got they got her they got her late in life she wasn't um flagged as a potential early on so she doesn't have the same like something like that like that's another thing you could have done here and it's just like it's every, every there's so many different stories that they had so many different story ideas and they just didn't pick one yeah 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 i think that's the the best summary of this movie 
so much squandered potential, too many story ideas, and, and not enough choosing. <laughs> oh, so actually, the first Assassin's Creed game, that did come out in uh, 2007. I just looked that up. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they probably were, again, with those, like, last-minute scramblings of, oh, we got to, you know, create a... I'm sure they probably like, hey, this game's really popular right I, now. Let's I'm just pretty sure that's that exactly idea. where the Paladin idea came from because the whole time I'm watching, like when he's getting, you know, he's freaking out about God and everything like that. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, white hair, you know, part of some ancient order of assassins or whatever they are. They call themselves Paladins. I'm like, this is he. They're the Knights Templar, basically, is what they're yeah, trying yeah, to say, yeah. or like the yeah. you know the pop pop culture version of the Knights Templar, and. So and now that you, now that we now that you made that connection to set like that totally clicks that totally tracks like they're like well Templars are the villains in Assassin's Creed let's just make them the villains in this in this movie and we'll call them the Paladins instead yeah and then someone was like oh but do we think they might come after us since we're so close to those video games if we actually just call them Templars yeah they might well let's go ahead and use a like Google machine for yeah 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 what's a synonym for Templar oh Paladin boom there we go boom there we go yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh god it's just yeah it, it, it's got such a feel of being written by committee yes. and it's like by a committee of people who were more cons who are just I, I can just imagine that it's it's a bunch of people sitting around in a hotel room and they're like look we got to finish this up so that we can snort snort some cocaine and it's, yes. that's, that's, that's yeah. exactly what i feel like is happening here because it's just like everything is just so slapped together and and rushed in this script yeah yeah we, we got to get it out, man. We've got yeah. all these great people signed on for it. So we just have to have something. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, we, uh, don't worry. They've already greenlit the sequels. All we need <laughs> is to get, we'll, we'll figure out the rest later. We'll, we'll back into this thing. Mm -hmm. uh, well, this has been a fun conversation, Perry. I, I really yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> well, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Uh, uh, it just, I was worried about this cause I'm watching, uh, cause I remember you saying in the emails that you'd had this, you know, yeah, this soft spot for this film and you're, and I'm like, and after I watched it last, I'm like, oh God, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Then. <laughs> I'm going to come in and want to tear this movie apart. I'm going to, I'm going to just gonna totally destroy it. his favorite movie. Yeah. It's not going to be good. <laughs> no, thankfully that's, that's not the case. Yeah, it was, yeah. I'm glad I revisited it though. Cause again, like I have these fond memories and now I can just permanently register it in my brain as like, yes, a good example of how Hayden Christensen has not been given a good enough chance. Mm -hmm. And there's yeah. nothing else really truly redeemable. And now you about can, and now movie. you can, and now hopefully you can separate it from Push a little bit more in your memory. Yeah, I might have to go rewatch Push now to, to yeah. be able to. But I'll probably I'll give it a couple of years. That way yeah. I don't conflate them again ten years from now. Okay. Uh, all right, Nick. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and your show and all that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so once again, if you enjoyed hearing me talk about movies, uh, my wife is way funnier and way more entertaining to listen to even than I am. So. Uh, come find us on any podcast platform or YouTube. Uh, and that's just at in love with movies. That's uh, in love comma with movies. You can also find us on social platforms, Instagram, Twitter at sign the letter N love with movies. So at in love with movies, but just the letter N instead of the word. Uh, and then, you know, if you want to find me and talk about movies or suggest movies that uh, you think I should see based on what you've learned about me here, my uh, socials are at Nick Loves Movies. That's N-I-C Nick, L-U-V Love, Nick Loves Movies. Um, so find me there on those things. And if you do want uh, to hear 
Perry, maybe see if he can convince his uh, significant other to come talk about movies with him too. Uh, go ahead and at him and then at In Love With Movies and be like, Perry, we want to see you on at In Love With Movies. And then maybe we'll be able to figure that out too. Well, we'll talk about that uh, off mic. Uh, but yeah, thanks thanks so much for coming on. And we'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes. So if anyone didn't catch it, just you know go to the show notes. All that stuff will be there. Um, but that does it for this episode of Superhero Cinephiles. SuperheroCinephiles.com is the website. Super Cinema Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And remember, you sign up for the Patreon. You get each of these episodes a week in advance. Plus, you get access to the uh, companion podcast, The Book Club, where we talk about comic books and all that fun stuff. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, Nick, by the time you hear this, we haven't recorded it yet, but by the time you do hear this, Nick will have already been on. So you can go back and uh, listen to us talk about um, the first Invincible book, I believe. So yes. Yes. So yeah, uh, thanks so much for listening and we will talk to you next time. If you enjoy the Superhero Cinephiles, then you'll also love my companion podcast, the Superhero Cinephiles Book Club. All my Patreon subscribers get access to this exclusive podcast where I review superhero comics and graphic novels. Not sure what comics you want to read next or what you should dive into? I've got you covered on that. I'll be doing reviews, recommendations, and also talking to you about useful entry points if you're interested in reading some comics but don't know where you should start. Plus, you'll get access to all episodes of the main show a week before everyone else. On all of this, for as little as just a dollar a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash supercinemapod and you can sign up at any subscription amount to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always, good night, good evening, God bless.